The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle. Volume 3, The Guillotine. Book 7, Von Damier. Chapter 7, The Whiff of Grapeshot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 7, Chapter 7, The Whiff of Grapeshot. In fact, what can be more natural, one may say inevitable as a post-Sanscolotic transitionary state, than even this? Confused wreck of a republic of the poverties which ended in reign of terror is arranging itself into such composure as it can. Evangel of Jean-Jacques and most other evangels becoming incredible, what is there for it but return to the old evangel of Mammon? Contrat social is true or untrue, brotherhood is brotherhood or death, but money always will buy money's worth. In the wreck of human dubitations, this remains indubitable, that pleasure is pleasant. Aristocracy of feudal parchment has passed away with a mighty rushing, and now by a natural course we arrive at aristocracy of the money-bag. It is the course through which all European societies are at this hour travelling, apparently a still baser sort of aristocracy, an infinitely baser, the basest yet known, in which, however, there is this advantage that, like anarchy itself, it cannot continue. Hast thou considered how thought is stronger than artillery parks, and were it fifty years after death and martyrdom, or were it two thousand years, rights and unrights, acts of parliament, removes mountains, models the world like soft clay? Also how the beginning of all thought worth the name is love, and the wise head never yet was without first the generous heart. The heavens cease not their bounty, they send us generous hearts into every generation. And now what generous heart can pretend to itself, or be hoodwinked into believing, that loyalty to the money-bag is a noble loyalty? Mammon, cries the generous heart, out of all ages and countries, is the basest of known gods, even of known devils. In him what glory is there, that ye should worship him? No glory discernible, not even terror, at best detestability, ill-matched with despicability. Generous hearts discerning on this hand, widespread wretchedness, dark without and within, moistening its ounce and half of bread with tears, and on that hand mere balls in flesh-coloured drawers, and inane or foul glitter of such sort, cannot but ejaculate, cannot but announce, too much, O divine mammon, somewhat too much. The voice of these, once announcing itself, carries fiat and periat in it, for all things here below. Meanwhile, we will hate anarchy as death, which it is, and the things worse than anarchy should be hated more. Surely peace alone is fruitful. Anarchy is destruction, a burning up, say, of shams and insupportabilities, but which leaves vacancy behind. Know this also, that out of a world of unwise nothing but an unwisdom can be made. Arrange it, constitution, build it, sift it through ballot boxes as thou wilt. It is and remains an unwisdom. The new prey of new quacks and unclean things, the latter end of it slightly better than the beginning. 
Who can bring a wise thing out of men unwise? Not one. And so, vacancy and general abolition having come for this France, what can anarchy do more? Let there be order, were it under the soldier's sword. Let there be peace, that the bounty of the heavens be not spilt, that what of wisdom they do send us bring fruit in its season. It remains to be seen how the quellers of Sanscalotism were themselves quelled, and sacred rite of insurrection was blown away by gunpowder, wherewith this singular eventful history called French Revolution ends. The convention, driven such a course by wild wind, wild tide and steerage and non-steerage these three years, has become weary of its own existence, sees all men weary of it, and wishes heartily to finish. To the last it has to strive with contradictions. It is now getting fast ready with a constitution, yet knows no peace. C.A., we say, is making the constitution once more, has as good as made it. Warned by experience, the great architect alters much, admits much. Distinction of active and passive citizen, that is, money qualification for electors. Nay, two chambers, Council of the Ancients as well as Council of Five Hundred. To that conclusion have we come in a like spirit, eschewing that fatal self-denying ordinance of your old constituents, we enact not only that actual convention members are re-eligible, but that two-thirds of them must be re-elected. The active citizen electors shall for this time have free choice of only one-third of their National Assembly. Such enactment of two-thirds to be re-elected we append to our constitution, we submit our constitution to the townships of France and say, accept both or reject both. Unsavoury as this appendix may be, the townships by overwhelming majority accept and ratify. With directory of five, with two good chambers, double majority of them nominated by ourselves, one hopes this constitution may prove final. March it will, for the legs of it, the re-elected two-thirds, are already there, able to march. C.A. looks at his paper fabric with just pride. But now see how the contumacious sections, Le Palettier foremost, kick against the pricks. Is it not manifest infraction of one's elective franchise, rights of man and sovereignty of the people, this appendix of re-electing your two-thirds? greedy tyrants who would perpetuate yourselves. For the truth is, victory over Saint-Antoine and long right of insurrection has spoiled these men, nay, spoiled all men. Consider too how each man was free to hope what he liked, and now there is to be no hope, there is to be fruition, fruition of this. In men spoiled by long right of insurrection, what confused ferments will rise, tongues once begun wagging. Journalists declaim, your lacretelles, le harp, orators spout. There is royalism traceable in it, and Jacobinism. On the west frontier, in deep secrecy, Pichegru, dusty trust his army, is treating with Condé. In these sections there spout wolves in sheep's clothing, masked emigrants and royalists. All men, as we say, had hoped each that the election would do something for his own side, and now there is no election, or only the third of one. 
black is united with white against this clause of the two-thirds, all the unruly of France who see their trade thereby near ending. Section Le Pelletier, after addresses enough, finds that such clause is a manifest infraction, that it, Le Pelletier, for one, will simply not conform thereto, and invites all other free sections to join it, in central committee, in resistance to oppression. The sections join it, nearly all, strong with their 40,000 fighting men. The convention, therefore, may look to itself. Le Pelletier, on this twelfth day of Vendémiaire, 4th of October, 1795, is sitting in open contravention in its convent of Fille Saint-Thomas, Rue Vivienne, with guns primed. The convention has some 5,000 regular troops at hand, generals in abundance, and a 1,500 of miscellaneous persecuted ultra-Jacobins, whom in this crisis it has hastily got together and armed under the title Patriots of 89. Strong in law, it sends its General Maynard to disarm Le Pelletier. General Maynard marches accordingly with due summons and demonstration, with no result. General Maynou, about eight in the evening, finds that he is standing ranked in the Rue Vivienne, emitting vain summonses, with primed guns pointed out of every window at him, and that he cannot disarm Le Pelletier. He has to return, with whole skin, but without success, and be thrown into arrest as a traitor. Whereupon the whole forty thousand join this Le Pelletier, which cannot be vanquished, to what hand shall a quaking convention now turn? Our poor convention, after such voyaging, just entering harbour, so to speak, has struck on the bar, and labours there frightfully, with breakers roaring round it, forty thousand of them like to wash it in its sea cargo and the whole future of France into the deep. Yet one last time it struggles, ready to perish, some call for Barard to be made commandant. He conquered in Thermidor. Some, what is more to the purpose, bethink them of the citizen Bonaparte, unemployed artillery officer who took too long. A man of head, a man of action. Barard is named commandant's cloak. This young artillery officer is named commandant. He was in the gallery at the moment and heard it. He withdrew some half hour to consider with himself. After a half hour of grim, compressed considering, to be or not to be, he answers yea. And now, a man of head being at the centre of it, the whole matter gets vital. Swift to camp of Sabion to secure the artillery, there are not twenty men guarding it. A swift adjutant, Murat is the name of him, gallops, gets thither some minutes within time, for Le Pelletier was also on march that way. The cannon are ours. And now beset this post and beset that, rapid and firm. That wicket of the Louvre, in cul-de-sac Dauphin, in Rue Saint-Honoré, from Pont-Neuf all along the north quays, southward to Pont-Cy-Devant-Royal, rank round the sanctuary of the Tuileries, a ring of steel discipline, let every gunner have his match burning and all men stand to their arms. Thus there is permanent session through night, and thus at sunrise on the morrow there is seen sacred insurrection once again, vessel of state labouring on the bar, and tumultuous sea all round her, beating general, arming and sounding, not ringing toxin, for we have left no toxin but our own in the pavilion of unity. 
It is an imminence of shipwreck for the whole world to gaze at. Frightfully she labours, that poor ship, within cable length of port, huge peril for her. However, she has a man at the helm. Insurgent messages received and not received, messenger admitted blindfolded, counsel and counter-counsel, the poor ship labours. Von Damier, 13th, year 4. Curious enough, of all days, it is the 5th day of October, anniversary of that Menad march six years ago, by sacred right of insurrection. We are got this far. Le Pelletier has seized the Church of Saint-Roche, has seized the Pont Neuf, our picket there retreating without fire. Stray shots fall from Le Pelletier, rattle down on the very Tuileries staircase. On the other hand, women advance dishevelled, shrieking, Peace! Le Pelletier behind them, waving its hat in sign that we shall fraternise. Steady! The artillery officer is steady as bronze, can be quick as lightning. He sends 800 muskets with ball cartridges to the convention itself. Honourable members shall act with these in case of extremity. Whereat they look grave enough. Four of the afternoon is struck. Le Pelletier, making nothing by messengers, by fraternity or hat-waving, bursts out along the southern Quai Voltaire, along streets and passages, treble quick, in huge, veritable onslaught. Whereupon, thou bronze artillery officer, fire, say the bronze lips. Roar and again roar, continual, volcano-like, goes his great gun in the cul-de-sac Dauphin against the church of Saint-Roche, go his great guns on the Pont-Royal, go all his great guns, blow to air some two hundred men, mainly about the church of Saint-Roche. Le Pelletier cannot stand such horseplay, no sectioner can stand it, the forty thousand yield on all sides, scour towards covert. Some hundred or so of them gathered by the Théâtre de la République, but, says he, a few shells dislodged them. It was all finished at six. The ship is over the bar then. Free, she bounds shoreward, amid shouting and vivat. Citoyen Bonaparte is named General of the Interior by acclamation. Quelled sections have to disarm in such humour as they may. Sacred right of insurrection is gone forever. The CA constitution can disembark itself and begin marching. The miraculous convention ship has got to land and is there, shall we figuratively say, changed, as epic ships are wont, into a kind of sea nymph, never to sail more, to roam the waste azure, a miracle in history. It is false, says Napoleon, that we fired first with blank charge. It had been a waste of life to do that. Most false. The firing was with sharp and sharpest shot. To all men it was plain that here was no sport. The rabbits and plinths of St. Roche Church show splintered by it to this hour. Singular. In old Brolier's time, six years ago, this whiff of grape-shot was promised, but it could not be given then, could not have profited then. Now, however, the time is come for it, and the man. And behold, you have it, and the thing we specifically call French Revolution is blown into space by it, and become a thing that was. End of Book 7, Chapter 7